Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Priya Bates, a PhD in Industrial Organizational Psychology, helping businesses innovate and grow, grow 10 times faster using proven methods for motivational, goal-setting, creativity, team dynamics, and leadership research. She has lots going on, so I'm going to leave it to her to tell you more. So I guess, can you start by giving us a brief introduction to your work and how you became interested in supporting highly creative individuals and innovators. Tell us a bit about yourself. I think it's, it's I, I am probably a little bit of my own client and I'm actually just starting to see this now more so than before when I started this work, but creatives just sort of kept coming to me and I didn't have a definition for my client at that time. I knew there's a there were certain characteristics in common. And so I started saying, well, you know, they're creative thinkers. And, you know, I was working with coaches and they said, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Right. And I was like, no, they think creatively. And they're like, you mean paint? And I said, no, the, the thought process, it's creative. And everyone at that time, no, no, there's it's painting. And so I went through this whole frustrating process of it's not painting, it's more than painting. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so ultimately I started defining it as creativity, innovation, and, and that type of creative thought tied to innovation and everyone can innovate. It's not sort of the domain of a special person because I've spoken to people and they're, they've said, you know, inventors. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of, people start picturing that person tinkering in the garage. I was like, this is, yeah. this is beyond that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so so it was creativity and innovation. Then, of course, I go back to everything I studied. And I was like, leadership, teams, creativity, innovation. I'm like, yeah, and it all fits together, decision-making. And I've now sort of fallen beautifully in the space that I belong. So they came to me. I looked at my history, and I it was kind of like, okay, it's all fitting together. But again, as I do typically, started too soon when no one understood what it was. And I'm sure if anyone watches the internet now, it's everywhere. <laughs> For sure. I mean, you can't turn your head, but I'm seeing it. Yeah. But I, I guess explain a little bit about what it is you actually do. So I help highly creative thinkers. So I say highly creative thinkers because they're idea generators. And if you've heard Elon Musk speak, he always has this one phrase that he says is like, you don't want to be inside my head because I can't stop the ideas. <laughs> so Maybe not Elon Musk, but people who have that tendency to constantly generate ideas. I help them focus on the right ideas, focus in the moment, focus during the week, focus during the month in the right way. And so it's not the same kind of focus. It's a different type of focus. And then figure out their own personal creative workflow and how they can use that to their advantage without being rigid because creatives don't work in rigid environments. <laughs> they get bored, I know. <laughs> yeah. They can't they can't follow it. They can't even even if they tried, they can't do it. And then many of them start to think they have ADHD. And it's like, no, you don't. You're just really creative and you're trying to work in a non-creative way. Right. Yeah. It is it's great. I mean I'm no Elon Musk, but I know like even have a conversation with somebody 
as people are talking, it's not that I'm not paying attention, but I'm already three, four questions in on what else I could say, you know, and I cut people off and they're always like, you know, that's rude. And I'm like, but I have all this, you know, I know you learn most, but it, I know what that's like, because it's like your mind doesn't shut off. You think, what else could I say? How else could you, did you try this? Did you, you know, and it gets to be so insane. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> I have a habit. If I have a certain idea, it's, it's going to last for a moment and then it's gone. It's so gone, the people yeah. I work with, I, I advance apologize and say, you might get an email from me with an idea. It doesn't mean you need to do anything with right. it. Yeah. <laughs> throw it away and I won't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Because people don't get it. You know, they all just think, oh, you're being rude. It's like, no, I'm not, you know. Yeah. We have we all have our own certain tendencies in terms of how we approach creativity. So that's why it's very difficult to say this is a precise solution because it'll depend on who the individual is. Yeah. 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 One size doesn't always fit all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially when they're the all that don't fit into anything. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I guess talking about the human drive for certainty. So Dr. Bates, can you talk about why humans have such a strong inclination towards certainty and assurance? And how does this drive manifest in our daily decisions and personal lives? Well, I know where this came from. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because... So from my my perspective, this it's it's a sense of safety. The more we can predict, the more we can plan, and the more we can take actions and say, okay, I controlled my environment, right? So it's a sense of wanting to have control and predict the future and know what's coming. And you know, so we don't die. We don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us. <laughs> so so it, it sounds relatively simplistic, but we do look for that certainty from ourselves, our leaders. And for some people, that'll look like wanting to control the behaviors of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always say, and I, I actually think the world will be would be a more beautiful place if we approach it this way, and everyone does. Before you try to control anyone else's behavior, control your own. And if you can't, yeah. then don't don't even try to control anyone else's behavior because you can't control your own. Right. Yeah. If the yeah. world did that, oh God, it might be a better plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I but mean, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. So I'm like, okay. but it is true because I think so many people just don't. You know, the uncertainty just scares us. You know, and it's like you. It is true though. You kind of almost feel like you need to have some control of your life because it's just so out of control sometimes and I guess it makes us feel a little safe if we feel we can control something but unfortunately that's not the way life is I don't know if that's unfortunately or fortunately it's just not the way life is so. <laughs> life is a little bit more fun like the play the creativity is when you're a little bit out of control like if you think about the most fun you've ever had in life <laughs> it wasn't when you were in control mm-hmm. It's when you, like, I think about my friends and I, we went to Hawaii and we were playing in the waves and we had planned a picnic and it was supposed to be sunny. It poured rain and we said, okay, well, let's go play in the waves because it's raining. We all look at that day as one of the most fun days we had on the entire trip. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, because it was the unexpected. You know, you just went with the flow. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think some of it is just sort of allowing the things to come into our life and playing with them instead of deciding what they are. And even if you think about friendships and relationships, right. when it gets too predictable, it's boring. 
That was true. Yeah. <laughs> Same stuff every day. You know, it was funny because that was one of the things um, when I people say, like, how do I get into doing what I do? It's like marketing, investor relations, public relations. And I got into this job out of high school. And it wasn't the same old, like a receptionist you're picking up the phone every single day or a cashier, you're ringing up. What I liked about this job, every day was an adventure. You have no clue what your day was like until you opened up your email. Could be a boring day, could be a hectic day, could be a fun day. You have no idea. And yeah. I just love that. Like, you're basically going by the seat of your pants every day, like, what's going to happen today? And then when something happens, like, oh, my God, what do we do? You know, and it just was always exciting to me. So I've been doing this ever since. <laughs> that kind of framing, too, right? Because what I heard you say, it's like it's going to be a like a slow day, a fast day, a creative day. They're all fun for you. So many yeah. times you'll see when people run into a panic, it's sort of like, okay, I'm busy, 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 and I'm going to complain that I'm busy. And now there's no work and I'm going to complain that there's no work right. versus oh, this is my time for rest. This yeah, is my exactly. time for engagement. <laughs> going, I want the opposite of what I have. And then they're consistently unhappy. It's true though. Some people are just yeah. never happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff though. <laughs> I guess talking about confidence and overconfidence, how can leaders differentiate between projecting genuine confidence and a potentially dangerous territory of overconfidence, especially when they might not have all the answers? So when you are saying yourself, are you referring to leaders um, selecting for people who are overconfident or leaders themselves being in that space? of? I guess leaders themselves. I think it's a decision at the end of the day. I think we need to have humility and know that we don't know everything um, and not try to do that because that's that's a lot of stress to to say I know everything and want to and you know as as I, I don't, you know I think sometimes overconfidence can slip into that space of narcissism as well, right? So mm -hmm. we want to be although if someone's of that character, they're not going to see it in themselves. Um, so, um, you know, if you look at the research on narcissism, narcissism, narcissists don't know they're narcissists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's an interesting kind of a conundrum of being overconfident because I think most people probably are underconfident about what they're capable of, right. um, and then there's those the few exceptions. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing we always see with companies where, you know, like I love companies who have like say staff meetings and not just inviting the high level people, inviting everybody, hear their opinions, hear their thoughts, know what they're thinking. And sometimes just asking everybody, like, what do you think? How do you think we should do this? Mm -hmm. And someone might be like, oh, you, you want to know what I think? I, I, I might do it this way. And you might be like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. But one, you're getting all creative ideas. But two, think about how that person feels now. You know, so I just, I agree a hundred percent. Like it's, it shouldn't be a power struggle. You shouldn't be overconfident because everybody, we're all people. We all have a role to play in life and you just have to make everybody feel included. So I love companies who do things like that. And I, I think there's this other element to it. And I think we've all sort of experienced this at some point in our lives um, because we do say, yes, ask people for their input, make sure you, you get input from everybody but there's always this tendency when you bring in the power dynamics in meetings that certain people will dominate the meeting mm -hmm. and they can speak and speak and they don't necessarily add a lot of value. <laughs> but then the meeting's over and everybody else is sitting there and they haven't had an opportunity to contribute. Mm -hmm. They haven't been asked for their opinion. And I don't know 
I can't really sit in the shoe of shoes of every leader. But I imagine there's this this sort of fear of we don't want to cut them off. We don't want to offend them. Yeah. Um, And, you know, maybe they're almost done, but they just don't stop. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. There's this sort of uh, this sense of bravery or leaders can take on more of a role to make sure everyone actually has that opportunity to you and I might have just become that person I described so sorry <laughs> no it's totally I mean it's true though because I know somebody who just took a job someplace and it's kind of crazy because she's going out of her mind because she's like I have nothing to do all day she's getting a decent salary and I'm like yeah but you're getting paid to do nothing and she's like but you don't know how mind-boggling this is why because the person who hired her doesn't want to give her anything to do because there's a fear of well, how do I know you're not going to do it better than me? And then I don't have a job. And it's, you know, she's like begging, saying, well, can you just, I'll answer phones. I mean, give me something to do. Mm-hmm. You just answer and pass it on to me. I mean, so she's been at the job, but she's like, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, it is true because people, it's a controlling sometimes. I, I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, you have somebody, you're willing, you know, the company says you need to hire somebody to help. But then you well, don't want to give up any control. It's insane. <laughs> because companies are always saying productivity, productivity. And then this is a major loss of productivity. And yeah. Well, the person's doing all the work, but it's like, couldn't you be doing more of different work? Have you passed on some of this stuff to, you know, I mean, like I'll just say growing up when I was going through the work, everybody else was pawning off all the work on me and they were just leaving, going to parties. Doing... But at the end of the day, I got experience. Not that I'm saying it was right what they did, but you know, I was hired to do a job and they were doing what they wanted to do. So you have to kind of find a happy medium in there somewhere, but I guess that's how people think, you know. (laughs) And I think those are sort of the challenges of leadership. It's because you can't monitor everyone all the time. You can't have access to all the information all the time, but to somehow observe patterns. I think if in meetings and things, if we observe there are patterns of behavior and they tend to leave the meeting room as well. And for leaders to look at those types of patterns and go, does this person even get a chance to contribute because that person's doing all the talking. It seems like they did all the work. Uh, What's happening here? And to check in. You know, it's crazy because years and years and years ago, I remember when I said I was doing all the work and somebody, you know, they were all leaving and I had finally reached the breaking point when I heard somebody telling like one of the high end people, I'm exhausted. I was working so hard on this one report that I had did. And I'm like, she don't even know what's in that report. And that's when I finally had a meeting and I never speak up. But I was like, I'm done. I'm like, you need to know. And they're like, I know, Patty. They're like, we, you didn't need to tell me. I know. And I'm yeah. like, well, thank you. You know, because I'm like, oh, but yeah. Yeah. But those people sometimes, you know, and I'm this actually, I was having a conversation about that, this with somebody earlier today, but how people with those qualities, taking credit, um, not doing the work and, you know, uh, over embellishing yeah. their contributions, um, those people tend to get promoted yeah. and they end up in leadership positions and, and that causes new challenges. You're not kidding. <laughs> it's like, what's the secret? <laughs> Okay, so moving on. Now, you talk a lot about like ADHD and anxiety. So ADHD and anxiety seem to be common among the creative population. So how do do these conditions impact the creativity and productivity of the individuals you work with? 
So I have a bit of a theory around this, and I don't have the research on it. But every time I've had a theory on something, it's it's really interesting that after a while, um, psychologists will come out with the research and say, well, this is what it is. Um, so now I'm not going to say ADHD is not real, um, but I think for some people it isn't in this way that they're experiencing it. Let me put it that way, because they're hyper creative they're intelligent, they're capable. And if you have all those qualities, for example, this, this girl you're describing with the job where she's not doing any work. And if she's very intelligent, hyper-creative, and she's in that work environment, she may start to believe she has ADHD because there's this energy to create and to produce, and there's nowhere to put it. And so it creates this like agitation in the body. Right. And that means like, I can't sit still. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be looking at that. And also we live in this environment, which is designed to distract us. So yeah. if we have all this energy in us to create, and there's nowhere to channel that energy, it's going to be anxiety, depression, ADD, all of those types of things are going to come up. And mm-hmm. to, so to really know where and when to channel that energy and move it forward, I have like a really silly example of this, which someone would describe and it happened last night went out for dinner last night and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like did I bring my umbrella home like, <laughs> at the restaurant so I was like pondering over this for about what felt like 20 minutes half an hour right <laughs> and that could be described as ADHD thinking about ridiculous things in your sleep and then I said why don't I just go up and check if I if I brought the umbrella home so I woke up look two seconds later I was asleep <laughs> wow that's right. obviously so, important to you <laughs> it's really really that's the type of, those are the types of things that you know someone would say that's an ADHD but there's some energy in us to take action and do something and we're not doing it and I would have been up all night had I not gone to just be like <laughs> is the freaking umbrella there and if it wasn't I could have picked it up the next day it's not a big deal yeah. but at least now you know <laughs> <laughs> No, that is true, though. You think about stuff, and it's it is true. Like I'll what was I? I'm talking to my my mother in law the other night, and I'm in bed, and I was like, oh yeah, she did ask me to pick something up for her, you know. And this is what's in my head. So like a day later, she just happens to say, oh, before you forget, and I said she's asked me to pick it up. I'm like, you know, I was thinking about this last night. It was almost like something unsolved or undone that was still in my head that woke me up to remind me. I'm like, I wish I could understand how the brain works. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of the nature of it. Like I can I can give you another, this happened to me in university and I probably could have turned this into a lifelong challenge issue if I wanted to. I had a paper due, I stayed up late. Um, and at that point in time, I was drinking Red Bull. I don't drink it anymore. Um, <laughs> So, you know, you've got the sugar, you've got the caffeine, you're low on sleep, you've got an assignment. And, um, you know, I was dating someone at the time and they said, you know, just relax, go to bed. Right. And and so for whatever reason, I took that advice and I had a panic attack. (laughs) Because I was kind of in a flight of or flight mode. I need to write this. All the adrenaline was like, I need to write this and get it done. Mm -hmm. And I didn't listen to that. And I went to sleep and I had a panic attack. Now, had I not in, analyzed it in that way and recognized, okay, I've had a lot of caffeine, I'm low on sleep, and I have this, I'm working against the energy in my body. 
for the rest of my life, I would be ha- I'd be having panic attacks. I never had one ever again because I knew exactly what it was. Huh. Yeah. Oh. So that's why I think. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, your body definitely knows what it's doing, except we just don't have the secret manual for it. But <laughs> you found the cheat sheet at least. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would tell you, if this happens, and, and I want to hear from you, if you have this kind of energy over the next couple of weeks and you follow it, just, I would love to hear from you how it goes, or anyone who's even listening to the podcast, if there if there's opportunities to comment, I'd love to hear how it goes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess you mentioned that many of your clients self-diagnose. So why do you think this is? And what would you suggest to someone who believes that they might have ADHD or anxiety but hasn't seen a professional for a diagnosis? Um, if it's not enough to see a professional, don't diagnose yourself. Um, so one of the things I we on with the internet, right? There's hundreds of people, professionals, non-professionals providing criteria for diagnoses. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed they just get longer and longer and more and all encompassing. And I'm like, this could literally apply to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's become meaningless. Um, so I think if somebody's really concerned, one of the key criteria in the DSM is that it's got to negatively impact the quality of your life. And if your life is not being impacted negatively, then there's there's really no issue to to be addressed right. and and don't compare yourself to the top performer mm-hmm. most of us are average right so if you're saying my life is being negatively impacted because i don't perform like elon musk no you're fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> right it's good good points yeah so so to sort of think is my life relative to the average person around me am i doing that badly or are my expectations too high if, if your expectations too are, are too high relative to the average person, you're probably fine. Right. If you're below that and things are exploding all the time, then go talk to a professional. But don't bother self-diagnosing. There's no value in that. You're just going to be stressed out and and solving a problem you probably don't have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's funny because I watch shows like ER and things like that. And I see, you know, they do stuff like that on the show where there's people in there and they're pulling up WebMD and the doctors and they've taken notes and they're well, this says this. And they're kind of like, I've got all the experience. You, you've got an app. I mean, who do you think knows more? And it is true because people, especially with the medical field, you know, what's covered, what's not, everybody wants to self-diagnose. They're Googling everything. Like I actually was just Googling something before, just hypothetically, there was like, hundreds and hundreds of this works this doesn't work it's absolutely like it you know it depends what you want to hear is the one that you're going to go to you know so if people want to think that they have a problem that's what they're going to listen to if they want to say no i don't that's what they it's all i always make a joke if it's on the internet it must be true you, you can't follow everything i mean go to a professional who knows what they're doing you know and if it's not bad enough to talk to a professional it's not that bad yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, your your friend or your neighbor probably is. It doesn't have the right answer. But you have to go to a specialist who's trained in that. You know. 
Yeah. And, and these, these definitions, they also tend to adjust and transform as well. Psychology is an interesting thing. It's different with a medical diagnosis of symptoms. You can see them in the body. Uh, psychology it tends to shift a little bit because it brings in social dynamics and a lot of things are decided on based on consensus. So it depends on the culture and all these types of things. So <laughs> it's, it's a little bit trickier with psychology. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't work with the clinical aspects of it. Right. And even when I work with people who do have ADD, ADHD, I tell them to work with their professionals, their therapists. Right. I do my work. Right. And we, and we don't address ADD. We don't address anything directly. It's just the business, the work, the creativity, innovation, but then something happens and they're like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't need it. And they'll, they'll go to their therapy. I have nothing. I don't recommend anything. I don't tell them to reduce medication. I don't tell them to walk away from their therapist. I say, if you need this, you should go work with a professional. This is not what I do, but something magical happens and things start to shift. And I can't, it's because I think it's just as they learn how to work with their creative flow, yeah. the stress in their body starts to go down they see their level of productivity go up, they start right. getting results, they start making more money, all these things start happening, their relationships improve, and then wow. you have ADHD anymore, like everything's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is important too, because I mean, especially as a kid, like all you, the big joke ADHD, bouncing off the walls, they don't listen, they can't pay attention, and you're taught that that's a bad thing. But now when you're teaching them that that's a good thing, and you know yeah. what you can do with that, this, you know, think about the stress that takes off of people, like, wow, I don't feel like it you know, a loser now. I mean, I have all this capability. So, I mean, that's important that people understand that, you know, like it's not comfortable. I don't feel comfortable sitting in a desk. I mean, we, we train ourselves, but it's not natural. We're supposed to run around. We're supposed <laughs> to things and jump off things. And right. yeah, I mean, that sitting is, is for educational. I don't, I'm going to tell you another silly story. So I used to do autism therapy and one of the kids I worked with very hyper um very playful and the teacher said you know he he's got a, a behavior issue he won't sit still and I said what's he doing and she's like well he'll go we'll tell him to sit in circle and he'll go to uh like one of the playstations and then I said and then I said well what do you do and she's like well I go follow him to get him and then I was like does he look at you from the side of his eye and go to the next station she goes yeah and then I was like do you follow him and she goes yeah and I was like he's tag <laughs> he's what he's playing tag that is so funny. So he's looking at her out of the side of his eye going, are you going to follow me? And he's running. to right. He's following. And she's saying he has a behavioral disorder. I'm like, no, he's playing tag. And you are you got caught up in his, in his loop. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I guess if she, I mean, if she don't understand, you know, how to deal with somebody like that, I mean, how <laughs> yeah. right away you're just labeled bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> So it's, 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 yeah. So I think it's like, we have to really observe and, and, and be aware of how other people are acting and how we are ourselves. Right. And we don't do that enough. Yeah. And we don't do it for ourselves and we don't do it for other people. And there's this, this, this magical thing that happens when people feel seen. That yeah. is true. <laughs> Very good. <though. laughs> And I guess you talked about on your LinkedIn, AI uncertainty. So as you move further into the age of artificial intelligence, how do you envision AI influencing our quest for certainty? And what, will it aid or hinder our decision-making process? 
So I believe that AI is going to, from everything that I've learned, and I work with a lot of people who are experts in AI, and they, they have said I can call myself a prompt engineer, but uh, I, I, for, I don't know what an expert in AI is at this point in time, but they're better than I am. Um, <laughs> so, AI is going to provide information. So ultimately what AI does is it, it's, it's able to see patterns in data exponentially better than we can. And so we'll be able to ask it questions and just think about like we ultimately as our version of expertise is we start to see patterns in human behavior and in ourselves and in our area of expertise, there's a certain something that we do this pattern recognition. So AI is just exponentially better at doing that than we are. And so we'll be able to ask AI questions and get information from AI, but we're still going to have to make those decisions. AI, I don't know if we want AI to be making decisions for yeah. us. <laughs> We're going to have different values and motives and needs, right? And I don't know if AI is going to care about surviving, or if it yeah. does, it's not going to care about us surviving. We're not the same. Um, but it's going to provide information about patterns and how things connect, and we're going to have to make decisions. But then what's going to happen is that's going to happen faster. Content creators are going to create content faster. They're going to use AI to create content. So that's going to create more change. And then we're going to run into quantum computing, which is going to make things even faster. <laughs> so, yeah, so this environment of exponential change and growth and learning. And I personally believe our human, what we're going to have is our ability to be creative and innovative using the pattern recognition power of AI. Mm -hmm. So people say that AI is creative, but what it's really doing is recognizing patterns. I think creative, human creative creativity goes beyond that to those mm -hmm. moments where we go, aha, yeah. This thing makes sense on a level that I can't, I don't know where it came from. I can't really comprehend it. I don't think AI does that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think interesting. Yeah. we're <laughs> going to have that power and we're going to need to use it. And people are going to start solving problems related to the environment, uh, food insecurity, all these types of things faster, mm -hmm. but they'll also break things faster. So we have to find a happy medium <laughs> or well, they have to realize how to work with it and not against it. Yeah. Well, I also think that everything is connected and linked, right? So if everything, it's kind of like dominoes. So if you move this one thing, everything's going to fall and then you're going to try to fix that. And then something's going to fall over there and then you can right. fix that and then something will fall over there. So it's not just a couple of years ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's not a steady state where everything's going to, you know, you know, we say carbon. So, you know, they'll do things to adjust the carbon in that. That'll have fall on effects as well. We don't know what they're going to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, well, you hear everybody with their opinions on it. And in, in some aspects, I think it's amazing. Some it's kind of like, okay, not, not so much. Definitely not perfect, but. You know, people have all this panic, but I do agree. It, it does do things super, super fast, but you do need that level of humanity to kind of interact with it because you can't do it on its own. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, it might actually. There are. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think saying this. It was Mogadot or, um, but I think it was Mogadot, but AI will have 
the ability. So with open source AI, AIs can, if they can access each other through the internet, they can program, AIs can program AIs and we won't have control over that. Huh. This is like iRobot in, in real life. Oh. I mean, <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> but it is, you know, it's it's kind of amazing how that stuff works. Like totally unrelated, but me and my sister um, had to go to the store. We were buying something for our new um, great nephew. Um, they like these interactive toys. Nowhere on it does it say that they interact with each other. They were both the same toys, just different faces. And we were kind of freaked out. Like one would say, um, "Let's let's um, let's count to ten. One, two, three, four. You know." And then the other one says, "Good job." And we're kind of like what and then they would say like you know let's play a game ha 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 you first so now i'm like okay we're reading the boxes so we went to buying both of them because she's like well we're getting both getting the same thing i'm like you can't explain this we just have to get them i'm like you have to just give it to them and hope for the best because i'm like this is just insane but this is technology this is what i mean again they just my hairs were standing up i'm like what's going on <laughs> we're just sitting there saying this is insane but you know did they love it or were they terrified or did, well, we did didn't they... give it to the kids yet it's a christmas oh. gift but oh. i mean it's a baby you know but still okay. we you know me and my sister were kind of like wait what and we're like is it's are they supposed to be interactive no so i'm like okay i don't even oh, have an answer not supposed to be no, but they are robots in a way and they are communicating with each other not that's oh. not what it's supposed to be but we were like Okay, so what's going to happen with AI and the whole world of robots and technology? They obviously can learn. I've seen that with a little infant toy. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, definitely oh, freaky. Okay. <laughs> you've got to put those up on and have them talk to each other somewhere. Well, I can't wait till they get them for Christmas and say you have to you have to video this. You know, a lot of Okay, so now tell me, you've observed that some clients reduce or eliminate medications after learning to look at their creative brains. So can you share any insights or experiences that highlight how highlight how this transformation occurs? So I take clients through a process of understanding their creative workflows, um, how to sort of really pay attention to, so I was talking about that energy of action versus inaction, to really pay attention to that. And then to really communicate and understand what their emotions are telling them. Um, and we don't do that a lot. Most most people are, you know, you'll hear this is like manage your emotions. Don't feel it. And I'm like, put those out there. Like, <laughs> I to be an emotional, like, I want it all out there. Right. Um, and and it's an amazing thing that when people get that permission, it's, it's they, something happens. And again, so through that process of really understanding how to really connect with that internal physical energy and their emotions and then having systems and processes and all the strategy and all the that 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 stuff um they tend to calm down uh-huh. and then they'll just go to their therapist and say i don't need this anymore <laughs> yeah i guess that is it's true with the having the permission because i've seen that with some people like it goes back to how they were raised you know um like say for boys, you just don't show emotion, you don't cry, or some girls just, they didn't have that loving family. So you, know, you see them, they're upset, but they won't show it or they're happy, but it's not professional. And, you know, I just always say they're like bursting at the seams, but it's just not how they were taught how to express it. And, you know, it's almost like once they start and they're like bouncing off the walls, expressing, expressing, but then they reach that 
okay, now I know that I could do that. And you feel much better. And exactly. you don't, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And it, you, so you help people break out of that shell, I guess, so to speak, right? Yeah, we have kind of a, a joke or like a little bit with the clients of like people are like, she didn't make me cry. Like there's like <laughs> one person or maybe two who, who haven't cried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, kind of like an, it's like a joke that we uh, just kind of have that, you know, this little playful thing. Because at some point, even the toughest person is just going to just something happens. <laughs> But I mean, you have, I mean, think of how many years people have not done something. So it's kind of like recreating the wheel and getting them to understand that all the years that you didn't think it was okay, it is okay. You know, that's a hard nut to crack, but I'm yeah. sure they will be amazed and just relieved once they finally get through. <laughs> yeah, it's this some kind of a release. It was, it was actually um, like, I'm sure you know what tapping is, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I was taking a client, I do it a little bit differently, but I, I took a client through it once and I was like, what is, like, I was kind of blown away because I was like, am I kind of observing an exorcism? Like the emotional <laughs> like, the range was wild and I was like, it worked that well. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that mattered, right? <laughs> yeah. So even I was like, keep straight. <laughs> But I mean, I guess, you know, everybody's going to have their own different reactions and stuff. But think about how much that person had kept up inside. Oh, so. <laughs> I mean, she, and if she, she saw this, she she knows too. But um, <laughs> yeah, she's a completely different person and beautiful, like just a just a different, beautiful, like ever, everyone observes it. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I guess talking about cultural variations, given your expertise in team dynamics and leadership, have you observed any cultural variations in how different societies handle uncertainty and their drive for certainty? Well, I, ooh, how do I say this? I can't say I've, I've observed it directly, if that makes sense. But, you know, I'm, I'm of Indian background and there are certain, there are differences culturally um, and there is research, there's a study, the globe study that does look at levels of uncertainty and they do differ across cultures. I can and it's, they've done it over, I think 38 countries or something like that. So I can't tell you exactly, but it does <laughs> levels of certainty and uncertainty and openness to uncertainty. They do vary across cultures. Oh my gosh. Now I read this like 10 years ago. So you're not even <laughs> memory um okay i don't know if i should okay don't quote me on this don't okay. don't hold me to this i will <laughs> go back and do the research but if i if i recall correctly uh countries with uh and this would make sense less stability mm-hmm. in their past have a certain level of um greater openness to uncertainty but then that'll interact with their uh, how pow- how they approach power differentials, mm-hmm. and so what that looks like in practice, a high uncertainty or a low uncertainty culture with a high power or low power distance, uh, it'll look different. And so, yeah. So this, I've got to go back. I will go. <laughs> Force me to look look at it again, <laughs> and then I'll I'll tell you. But that's what I remember and it was a long time ago that I looked at this research but yes no that makes sense though and I guess you know like from your practice because 
if you're dealing with people from around the world, because you do deal with people around the world, right, remotely. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it helps you understand where they're coming from a little better, you know, because people, like you say, they don't see things themselves because it's them. So you need that outside perspective. So that, that does make sense. It does make sense, but um, I always look at the individual, not the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, people will be influenced by their culture. And so um, I, w- I don't start with a cultural model. I start with the individual and how they, why did we get a thumbs up? I know, that's what I'm just saying. I have no clue. I think that was me. I think I was talking. That and was so fine. awesome. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> when you did, I'm like moving my mouth. Like, did I do something? <laughs> I think it, it does it look at our fingers. We'll find yeah. out. Oh, okay. here's the robot. See, we were just talking about <laughs> they're learning from you now. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I don't start with a cultural frame. I look at the individual. I'm still on this thumbs up. <laughs> they'll bring they'll they'll bring their cultural frame and their experience of that cultural frame because you've got uh country culture, you're gonna have, you know, are they from the city? Are they a rural area? Are they, you know, um family culture, extended family, yeah. local family, corporate, like it just all plays in. So it depends right. on how any individual sort of interacts with that. So I don't come with a frame. Yeah. I let them define their frame. That's awesome. Yeah. And that is good. So it's not like that stereotype sort of thing where you're from here, so you have to be this way. That doesn't necessarily always be that, you know, it doesn't mean that. Nice. Yeah. I, I had that, uh, this was years ago, I am certain things have changed, but I was, I'm Canadian, and I was in the US, and I was in a sociology class talking about culture, so I was like, everyone here gets it, and I told Americans that they have a culture, that did not fly, <laughs> <laughs> they did not like that, <laughs> and uh, so that was my sort of thing, because I was like, Canadians, Americans, we're all the same, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, we're not. <laughs> I know people are very territorial, you know. <laughs> um, and it's just now I was, I think I was listening up to a podcast just two days ago and they were talking about, you know, the culture in Texas is so different from the culture in LA and it's so different from New York. And that's what I was pointing out years ago. Right. They did not like it then. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently now we're in the world of everybody has an opinion and everybody's outspoken. So I guess nothing, anything goes nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, which is why it's it's harder to sort of define culture. And also, we're, we're crossing boundaries so much, right? So yeah. people are traveling, we're exposed to other cultures. So that's going to change how we approach things as well and what we internalize. So, right. yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah. That's us. How do you help clients who have very big visions to break down their goals into actionable steps? And then what advice do you have for someone struggling to make progress on a big idea? So I don't get them to break down their goals into actionable steps. Uh, we start where they are and we typically, we don't actually throw away the big idea, but we metaphorically throw away the big idea Okay. because that's what happens with creatives is um, they will, you'll create steps with somebody who's hyper creative and they're going to have 375 ideas for every single step to the big vision. And by the time you get to step three, every single idea they've come up with is irrelevant because the entire culture, the environment, the business environment, the marketplace, it's different. So typically, if they try to figure it out, they can't and they they just spin and spin and spin. So we say, okay, respect the big idea and throw it away. We'll get there when we get there. (laughs) 
No, that makes sense too, because again, if somebody, you know, think about that, if they have that many steps per idea, I know one of them, they're probably like 30, what, 33 and a half hours just constantly thinking about it per day. I mean, <laughs> so don't, don't even look at it. <laughs> Very doesn't nice. mean you won't get there. doesn't mean you won't do it. It just might hurt. Reroute. That's <laughs> not relevant. <laughs> I guess to wrap things up, so what, uh, what's one piece of advice or resource that you think every creative individual should know about, especially if they struggle with overwhelm or mental health challenges? It's very simple. It's very boring. It's very popular. Pomodoros. What was that one? Pomodoros. Like uh, work for 25 minutes, take a five minute break. Okay. Start there. Start <laughs> there. Okay. Um, it's It's so boring and so popular and people will be like, I don't need it. Start there and just see what happens and experiment. That's what I will say. Um, but don't try to be a superhero. So I see my clients. I, I always get some of them don't end up using Pomodoros. Some do. Some there's a whole bunch of experimentation involved in this. But what I do, and this is sort of working with creatives, right? So when you when you hear podcasters, everyone's like talking about morning routine and tell me your morning routine and you know schedule out your entire calendar and there's you know be rigid with creatives like none of that stuff works but <laughs> <laughs> on the schedule that's <laughs> yeah. like they'll schedule it it'll be the most beautifully color-coded schedule fonts everything it'll look stuff and they won't follow it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah. So we don't want that. So Pomodoro's is sort of like play with it and don't try to be a superhero because I see this every 100% of my clients will do this. Day one, they'll be like, I can't do 10 Pomodoro's. And I was like, can you do one? So they'll they'll try to do 10, fail, and then say, these don't work for me. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's like never working out and trying to run a 10K your first day out. And saying running doesn't work for me. <laughs> Start. Do something yeah, small. Do something somewhere. Small. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is it's like when you when you have this sort of creative and these really big ideas, it's everything is so hard and there's such a superhero mentality. And I want to do the biggest, best thing humanly possible that people tend to give up before they even begin. And so it's like, just let yourself have a win. That's that's it. Just let yourself have a win. That's what I'll say. Accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, anything yeah. else you're working on? Anything else you want to talk about? Oh, <laughs> so um, <laughs> lots of things going on actually. So I've I've got my my business. I'm coaching with creatives and innovators. I'm partnering. This one's going to be fun. We're still we're still working the bugs out, but um, this is going to be really fun. Uh, but we're, I'm partnering with someone who's an expert in AI. So it'll be creativity, innovation, and AI and, and end-to-end -end businesses. And you can just AI your business from the front to back and then focus on the creativity and innovation. So that's coming up. <laughs> that's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, we're about six to eight weeks out um, for that. So if someone's interested in that, they can reach out to me and ask about that and I'll, I'll, I'll guide them appropriately. Um because I've got to talk to my business partner as well. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I'm uh, 
this is it's it's a full circle moment, but I also work with another business uh, building out decision support systems. So helping uh, companies um, creating a tool that will help board members make decisions facilitated by AI, but where the where the the board members and the people and the experts are the ultimate decision makers. So we're working on that tool as well. And it's really because 20 years ago I worked on decision support systems. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Circle. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yes, I am kind of my client. <laughs> That's awesome though. I mean, hey, you have you know, I mean you're your own guinea pig, so why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So That's I love awesome. it, and I'm I'm not overwhelmed or anything. It's a lot of fun. Um, love my clients, love the work. It's yeah. I just feel like I'm I'm all those things that you know in life. You're like I wanted to do this, and you don't even know that you want to do it. I'm yeah. in that space right now, and I'm, I'm loving awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that's where everybody wants to be. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah so now how can people get a hold of you? Um, the best way to reach me, my website is vfcoaching.net. So that's V as in virtual, F as in freedom. Uh, and if you're wondering, like, why virtual freedom? So back in the day, uh, expertise was virtual teams. Um, but also, if you're a creative and innovator, it's this idea of, like, I feel so much freedom, but I also feel trapped. So it's a sense of, like, virtual freedom. And <laughs> After they work with me, it becomes freedom, freedom. So that's nice. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. So uh, bfcoaching.net, um, there's a there's a complimentary training on there. You can go to the website. Uh, just It's on the first page. Just click there. You can sign up for the training. There's blogs there and then links to um, my, my social media through the website as well. So I think that's the easiest way. So yeah, I'm going to include that on the end also. Again, thank you for being on the show. Again, that was Priya Beans. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again. And thanks for having me. It was fun. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>